blessed to have our sermon today by Mr. Steve Andrews, entitled, If My People Shall Humble Themselves. Well, greetings to all returning feast goers. Uh, ourselves also have returned from the feast in Branson, which we decided to take. And we had um, families with lots of little kids, so it was, it was an enjoyable feast. And it was interesting that I would, you know, how many, I don't know how many total <laughs> um, different groups have feasts in, in Branson, but it's quite a few. So when trying to figure out what which one I would like to go to, it was a little difficult, and, and so I I thought well, and I and I got on the website and I looked at uh, the the Intercontinental Church of God, and it looked very interesting, and and, and so uh, that's where we ended up uh, keeping the peace for the whole time, and I got to say that. Um, it was a, a very profitable, very wonderful, very uh, en enjoyable feast uh, for the family, for our young little kids. They, there was all kinds of young people there, too, which gave them an opportunity to run around. And where they had it, they had you know, a place for the kids to play and stuff. When uh, we walked in the door, this was on the far wall, and you... In the hallway, you looked up towards the podium, and this was on the right-hand side. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And that was from Second Chronicles, of course, uh, 7, verse 14. And through the whole feast, we... I, we were all staring at it and looking at it, and and I, I thought, well, I've got to bring that some some kind of a message about that. And then, on the last great day, what happens? Hamas decides to invade Israel. Do you realize that if fifty years before that, in 1973? On the Day of Atonement, we were getting ready to go to the feast in Tucson, Arizona. Mike was a baby, and uh, we were going to, to drive all the way to Tucson, Arizona with a little baby. And I remember 35 cents a gallon gasoline. <laughs> That's a long time ago. <laughs> was, I think the cheapest I got was $3.16, and that was one at, uh, there at, uh, in Branson. What a, what, a, what a change. And so the world in one day, because anything that happens in the Middle East changes the whole outlook of the whole world, and I think all of us understand that. The perspective of the Bible is from the Middle East. The world perspective, we want to we think, oh, it's all in America, but whenever something happens over there, it's like the world now is focused on that 
on that area, and for, for a good reason. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, Jesus talks about those last days. And I, I, there was a lot of, there was a lot of sermons on uh, Revelation. Uh, There was even a seminar on uh, prophecy. All of us know that these events and everything that that happens is in the hands of God. Uh, But there is warnings in the scriptures, and they, those are the warnings that we want to to heed and to look at in in Revelation. I mean, in, in uh, Matthew the twenty fourth chapter, Jesus, and I'm going to just pick it up here in verse three. He says, and he sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us when shall these things be, and when shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And the end of the world." Jesus answered and said, take heed that no man deceive you. So um, we can have things go on in the world that actually can be very deceptive. And I know that some people are very deceived that Hamas did not do what they did. And it's interesting that there are people out there that don't believe that Hamas went in and slaughtered little children, killed indiscriminately. It, it It was a... It's a horrible thing, and if you, I haven't gone on the internet, and I don't want to go on the internet and see all the images, but they do have them available, and it's very, very bad. So, we need to keep our ears and eyes and, and open. For many shall come in my name, and saying, I am in Christ, and shall deceive many. Shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. And he says, see that you not be troubled. For these must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, earthquakes in different places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, like I said, 50 years ago, we had a large major war in the Middle East, in the Yom Kippur War, and Israel really had to fight to to keep alive during that particular war. And I suspect that they may do the same here. It depends on um, how things work out there. But you know, it's interesting. Wars come about from lust and greed and different things. But in this particular war, let's go to James, the the, uh, fourth chapter. And let's, let's just read this. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not here, even of your lust that war in your members? What is the lust that wars in the members of the Hamas? To kill Jews and Christians all over the world. That's what they lust for. They, they from the time that you, they are old enough, and they, especially in ISIS, I, know, I don't know where Hamas or Hezbollah or any of those, but the ISIS, uh, uh, there was some interesting stuff on them, that they would put a, a rifle into the hands of the, a, a child, especially a boy child, as old as, as, whenever they got old enough to be able to, to hold it. And they taught them hate from the time that they were little children. So it says here that that's, 
the lust that, uh, that war in your members. So this, this is a lust for blood, for, and they have hatred. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and, and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. Well, they, they live <clears throat> in, a, in an area in which they, they don't really take care of it. Everything they do goes to the, to the military. And it's, it's a sad situation. And Israel, <clears throat> you know, um, I have an article. and I'll, I'll, Let me just read the, the last little part of this that, that James had. And this is a longer article, but it's a very interesting article about what, what's happening there. The lady is a, uh, obviously a Jew and, and, uh, from, from that particular area. And she has a, a relative there. So I'd like to read a little excerpt from it. Um, he says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever there's, <clears throat> whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So, these people uh, have, a, have a different way of looking at, at everything and they hate Christians and Jews, because we believe in this word. We believe in the truth. We believe in it. This, uh, the lady that wrote this article is named Ileana uh, Mercer, and, she's very, and it's called Hamas, Israel, and the, and the Anatomy of, a, uh, of State Tre- uh, Treason. And uh, she's pretty open about it because they were warned. Israel was warned by e- Egypt that there was going to be something major coming about. And you know, they have the Iron Dome, but they also have uh, young people sitting in buildings uh, operating <clears throat> automatic guns and stuff right on the border. Well, that's not what happened. <laughs> they, they were able to, to counter that. I'm just going to break into this article, and I'm only going to read one page of it. Um, there is, there's a lot more to it, but... Uh, he's, this is where this was low tech. Them coming in, Hamas operatives motorbiked, paraglided, bulldozed, motorboated their way by land and by sea <clears throat> into 17, 17 areas of the, uh, southern Israel. So much for Israel's flimsy fences, unmanned AI-powered uh, machine guns, and and over other clever high-tech toys <clears throat> on the Gazan border. Postgraduate cleverness was simply no match for Hamas' fiercely serious, fiercely savage, hands-on guerrilla warfare, and that's what they did. Hamas' low-tech operation also meant that the gang steered clear of foreign-looking plants loitering in Gaza, fat fingers stabbing an invisible uh, mobile device. Israeli intelligence assets are likely not (coughs) not that hard to spot while Hamas deployed basic technology like cameras and sensors, they also took care to use uh, formats that work for their cause and not against. And by the way, if you haven't noticed the news, just recently uh, they found some secret documents on one of the uh, uh, terrorists that actually had maps pointing out where they were to go and what they were to do. And one of them was to kill those kids in that uh, in that concert, and they they slaughtered 200 plus of those those young people at that concert. 
She says, in my estimation, Israeli intelligence assets could very likely have been compromised. Israel is a progressive society, and uh, listen to this very carefully, <laughs> because this is what is going on between America and Israel. Israel is a progressive society, recruiting for racial, sexual, and cross-sexual representation, not necessarily for <clears throat> merit and metal. The Israelis have learned from the best, the United States of America, how to dissolve their society's institutions in the vast, in the vat of multiculturalism. All American satellite states are monkey see, monkey do appearances on matters of social justice or self-emulation. Hamas's low-tech invasion into the southern Israel was also a clear demonstration of the complete failure of the, of the state apparatus, the IDF being the face of the state. Bibi Netanyahu, prime minister, was largely in hiding during these first crucial hours because they were arguing about who was going to rule. <laughs> um, and that was a very difficult thing because there was no leadership there. The most candid report sent to me on the evening of October the 7th came from my cousin, Safe, uh, cousin, Safe, thank God. Her words were the most truthful today. She says, shock, betrayal, the crash of a dream. How could this happen? People are still without help or rescue. They turned to the media to call the army because there was terrorists in their homes and yards. It has been hours and the situation still not changed much total chaos. Now, that, of course, that was the seventh, and things have changed a lot since then, as we now know that Israel has invaded Gaza and is now beginning to, you know, or I don't know if they've finally done that, or, but they will be uh, invading Gaza and wiping out all the terrorists and probably pushing the Palestinians further and further away from everything in there. It's a sad situation that's going on in there, but the world is uh, also uh, a very dangerous place that we, even in America now, we don't know who's come across the borders. We have no idea who is uh, in our United States right now. And I was hoping that, uh, you know, we would do better. Uh, but it's, uh, after this has happened, it's, it's pretty obvious that uh, Any time we could we could be in a really bad situation. Now, what I wanted to do, I wanted to go back because this um, the uh, the scripture that that I had up there in the first uh, in Second Chronicles was actually a very positive thing for for Solomon, but yet understanding that God uses the word if. If, if you will do this, if you will obey me, if you will, if you will understand the truth, if you could come to this understanding. So let's go back to chapter 7, and let's see if I picked it up from the whole thing. Yeah, I did. So let's, let's just pick it up and go through it, because it was a glorious day. They had built this beautiful temple for God, this beautiful place. And not only that, but God decides to reside there. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices. The glory of the Lord filled the house. 
And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement, worshiped, praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And the king, Solomon, offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. And the priests waited on their offices, and the Levites also, with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord, because his mercy endures forever. And when David praised by their ministry, and the priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed that hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings. Because the brazen altar which Solomon had made uh, was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. Also that same time Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all of Israel with him, and a great congregation from, from the entering in of Hamath to the river of Egypt. They were keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, and this was a very wonderful and glorious thing that had happened. On the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly, so that's the last great day, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on the, on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had shown to David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and God's and, uh, and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he uh, prosperity, uh, pr- prosperously uh, effected. The Lord appeared to Solomon by the night and said to him, now my, this is all the red, so these are all the things that God told Solomon. I have heard your prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence upon, among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open, and my ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. For For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart shall be, uh, be there perpetually. And as for you, if you, here's that word, if, whenever that comes up, pay attention. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded you, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, Then will I establish the throne of your kingdom according as I have uh, covenanted with David your father, saying, There shall not fail you a man to be a ruler in Israel. 
But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck them um, I will pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them. And this hour which I have sancti uh, sanctified for my name, I will, will I cast out of my sight. And I will make it uh, to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house which is high shall be an astonishment. To everyone that passes by, so it shall say, Why has the Lord done this in this land? and in this house. And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which uh, brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on their other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore he has brought all this evil upon them. I don't know if in Israel that is the case, that God allowed this to happen. They are claiming that it is their 9-11, the time in which, you know, things happened in the United States. And what did we do in the United States? We all prayed. We all got holy. And, and we really were asking God for forgiveness. And a lot of people were turning to God. And what happened? A few years later, we got worse. <laughs> the whole of the society is getting worse and worse. And they're turning away. And it's getting, people don't even want to hear anything about God. They want to shut it out. We've got an East Coast and a West Coast that are doing things <laughs> that most of us would never even think of, no less, want to do. I don't know. But God is the judge. God is the one that that sets forth the things, and we'll see, as this plays out, how Israel comes about and changes, if they do. By the way, it was interesting when they decided to, to, to do this, instead of, because they, the Hamas and all the Hezbollah and all the rest of them said, well, oh, they're just going to leave, they're going to go away, they're not even going to want to do anything. That's not the case. All the Israeli men that were all over the, the world went back and volunteered to go in and clean out Hamas. It's interesting. This is, this is one of those historical things uh, to, to follow. Well, <laughs> we have another historical thing that, um, let's go back to 1 Kings. Because Solomon allowed and uh, we're all familiar with this, but I, I want to read this because I just, all of this wonderful things that God told him that he would do, and all that, it, that was, and then here's what happens. The King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the, the daughter of Pharaoh. This is uh, 1 Kings 11, verse 1. The women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord and the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn your, away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. 
And he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 uh, porcupines, and his wives turned his heart away from him. They probably, (laughs) that's probably about more true than concubines. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as with the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, and went, uh, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moab, in the hill, and there was before Jerusalem, and for Moab, and the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he all his strange wives, which burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned uh, from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared to him uh, twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go to the other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord God commanded. Wherefore the Lord said to Solomon, For as much as this is done of you, uh, done of you, and you have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely rend the kingdom from you, and will give it to your servant. And so we we know the history from that. But I wanted to tie that in. How beautiful it was for Solomon to pray such a wonderful, powerful prayer, then turn around, have God bless him with all of that, and then years later, he would be turned away into into idolatry and paganism. And it's interesting, in 1948, when Israel was was dumped off into the into the promised land, they didn't have much territory. They they have fought year for years to keep the the, the little bit of territory that they they have. I heard that the, the, the land mass is about the size of New Jersey that they have. And so everyone that they, they lose over there, it's, it's huge. This is, a, this is a great thing that has happened in that area. And so what was it, you know, the sins of, of, of the Jews there and all of that? Are they going to turn back to God? Are they going to, to really come and... and and come to God? I hope. We hope. Now, let's go to Matthew, the 24th chapter. I have a little bit of time here, so let's see if we can finish up on our side, on who we are, and what we need to be doing uh, in our own life uh, to uh, be close to God. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 9. He says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. So we have a warning, but we have encouragement also. Christ will end this 
madness, I think, that we can call war and the rumors of war and the preparation for war and all the things that, about war that go on. In Ephesians, the second chapter, Paul is, is encouraging us to change our character. In, in verse 2, he says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Boy, I, if you haven't seen it, I, I sure have. It seems like it's there everywhere. People are being so influenced by this, whatever it is, but it's probably Satan beginning to, to, you know, to move people to do things that normal people would not do. Among whom also all you had your conversation or conduct in times past and lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind that were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, has made us alive in Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want to make sure we're in order to... For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God is working, continually working with us, helping us to understand the times that we live in, because they are dangerous times. And I hope, I hope we don't see this same thing come to America. It is my prayer that God will protect us here. But we also have a lot of sins in America, a lot of problems in America. I, I don't know. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, we're also familiar with this, but it's also a reminder of what we need to do to change our lives so that we're, we are in, um, in a loving relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful sin, uh, deceitful laws, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, that it, that it may minister grace to his hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. I think that's uh, that particular scripture right there is very important for us whenever we're in a situation like we are in the world today, we need to, to really um, 
thank God for that spirit. Thank him for the blessings that he has given it to us and the guidance that he gives us through that spirit. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Beautiful words. And I'm, I'm hoping that this next year, all those things we, you know, we will take uh, in our life. One last area. And I know it was probably read at the feast. And I know that it was probably um, emphasized at the feast. But I look forward to the day when all mankind no longer has to worry about wars, rumors of wars, hatred and the different things that go on, people that don't understand what the God's creation, don't understand uh, who God is and who Jesus Christ is. They, they need to know those things. They need to understand those things. And yet, trying to get it through to this progressive society is becoming worse and worse. I, I don't know. I, I look forward to this, these few verses in Isaiah to come to pass, mainly because I think, I think once God's kingdom is on the earth, we can begin to, to really work with people. And people, even like, I, I don't know if they're even able or capable after the kind of barbar, um, barbaric things they've done. But even David, <laughs> you know, he was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, I don't know. I leave it up to God. But it's the kingdom, the theocratic kingdom that comes to this earth. There will be a lot of people that will not want it. There will be a lot of people who may even fight, will fight against it. And yet one day, it will all be under the control of Jesus Christ. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established to the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. So mountains and hills are nations, and the, the greatest mountain will be the mountain of God, the theocratic kingdom. It will be a beautiful kingdom, and it will not be dissolved by human beings, which is, which is wonderful to think that um, the nation will not have to worry about who's leading or who's doing this or who's doing that. It will be uh, led by God. Many people should go and say, come you, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Well, I, I think it probably does still, it probably does go out, and we try to put publishes and everything, but there is a spirit that's there, and it's a spirit uh, of of the, the prince of the power of the air, of the devil that seems to, to want to, to close everything off, and there is a, a rising of things that are happening in society today that are closing off of the understanding. But just as Jesus said, there may come a time when we, you know, there's going to be, um, I'm not going to be able to hear the truth. We need to be on top of it. We need to understand it. One day, that law and the truth and everything will be in 
in, in Zion, in Jerusalem. And number four, this is what I look forward to more than anything. I want this to happen. I want this to happen to all of the world. He shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. There won't be need for the war colleges. There won't be a need because God will be in charge. He will be sovereign over all things, and there won't be a need for war anymore. And he says, O house of Jacob, come you, and let us walk in the light of the Lord.